On this episode, we talk to aquatic research specialist Adam McDaniel with the Missouri Department of Conservation, and he discusses the Grand River invasive carp removal and what they found and what they removed on the lower Grand River. Shove off with us and let's get started. Telling stories by the fires, the gators are singing like a thousand feet square. And then Dad says, Did you hear that? That's the sound of an Appaloosa cat. Bite. Just like that, the gar season is gone, and the flatheads are moving, and it is fall. You're listening to Missouri Catfish Podcast. Our contact information is Missouri Catfish Podcast at gmail.com or on Facebook, Missouri Catfish Podcast and Night Owl Bait Company. If you could share the podcast, that's the best way for us to grow. As far as news, I did get the results from the Santa Fe Trail Days. They had a set line contest two two weekends ago now in New Franklin. And like I said in the last podcast, the cool thing about this was that the they they had the tournament at Franklin Island, just across from Boonville, but they actually weighed the fish in, it looked like, in New Franklin, which I think is awesome and gets new people into at least exposes them to the to the sport which I think's important to grow it and keep things going. So first first place they had team names, team Flathead broke James Vollmer and Andy and Jessica Zeller, second team Cooper County boys, Bubba Renfro, Russell Greenlaw and Jesse Karen, third team golf chance butler and jeremy golf and fourth team Grojohn, greg felton and sean and john Grojohn. so congratulations to those people hopefully next year we get more of a heads up and it it grows and we can get some more feedback from them it is turned into fall and it's just a beautiful time to be on the river Uh, the fishing is really good it it's always kind of wild as the fishing gets better, the fishing pressure kind of drops off. More people are turning to football and school and hunting, duck seasons right around the corner, deer season, that sort of thing. But it's just a magical time to be on the water. Last weekend, we were on the on the river quite a bit, um, and the Grand River was quite a bit warmer than the Missouri River. The Grand was 77.48 at one time. I took a picture of my fish finder, or Adam Johnson's fish finder, I guess. I went out in his boat for a little bit. But in the Missouri, it was 71.83 degrees. So quite a bit of difference. I don't know what the difference makes, but I can say we caught nice blue cats in the in the lower Grand there, and had the river not had it not cooled down i i don't know that that would have been the case and we got a little bit of 
rain, but it's still terribly low and dry. Last weekend, we were on the river quite a bit, but we didn't really do the, the rod and reel fishing. Sometimes we, we normally do on um, the boat we usually use. We I was waiting on some boat parts, and I'll give a shout-out to S&R Marine out of Beardstown, Illinois. That's where our boat motor came from, and I called them up for some parts, and they were there. They must have shipped them immediately because they were there, but, but I ordered some other parts through another... Um, supplier online because they had parts diagrams i want to make sure i thought it'd be hard to explain over the phone and i'm still waiting on some of those so it's it's nice when you can deal with people that know what you're talking about and can ship it on out and um hopefully we will be up to full speed by next weekend but it always gives you an opportunity to catch bait or work on stuff around around the fishing there's always something to do always something to mend or to fish to fix so there's that our guest is adam mcdaniel he's an aquatic resource specialist with the missouri river field station adam works for the missouri department of conservation and they were part of the grand river invasive carp removal now He's talked quite a bit to media outlets beforehand, but I thought the most interesting and by far the most telling thing would be discussing what they did and what they found after the removal. So I think you'll find this very entertaining and, and very uh, fascinating, especially the kind of the low water dynamic. And, and here, if you're not around the Grand River, which a lot of you aren't, it's just so dry here and it's, you still have water, you know, you can get your boat up and down, but it's, it's way down. So listening to this and then where the fish were, it was just fascinating. And I really hope they, um, they do something with it going forward. And, um, it's, it's really neat to, to see it and to see resources being used on, some of the fisheries that I love. So without further ado, here is Adam McDaniel. The, the Missouri Department of Conservation just uh, wrapped up a successful week of removing invasive carp. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. And uh, just for our listeners, could you kind of summarize that or what, what you found? Yeah. So, I, I mean, we had a great week. Um, everything went went pretty smooth um you know a lot of planning was involved ahead of time i think it really helped out um we ended up collecting in my mind quite a few carp we had over 6700 carp that were taken out you know that includes uh silver carp big head and grass carp um and that all added up to almost 25000 pounds um, you know, we can't, you know, we're, we're all pretty happy with that. Um, you know, we had six miles of the river pretty much blocked off. So if you th took out about, you know, over a thousand carp per mile, so that's pretty good I, in everybody's mind here on our front. Yeah. And, and because the Grand River and, and you'd said that on the last podcast and I really didn't think of it, but most of them are pretty small in there. So 
the, yeah. the population you took out more impressive than the pounds probably yeah that uh, you're exactly right cliff um you know we we really wanted to focus on that smaller size class that's so abundant right now because you know they haven't really reached their spawning potential um so if we can really hit that size class hard like we did um you know harvest a lot of those fish um you know those those fish aren't going to be spawning next year or the year after um which is which is really key in you know trying to um do something to reduce populations on these silver carp in there yeah because uh a female silver carp, how many eggs do they have? A hundred thousand or ten thousand or quite a few, don't they? Yeah, yeah, a lot more than that even. Um, oh geez. You know, depending on the size of the fish, you know, you're talking hundreds of thousands um, huh. per female. Yeah. yeah. Very, and uh, very very, I, very prolific spawners indeed. Yeah, and I went by there. You all did have a lot of equipment. It was really impressive, and something like that doesn't happen overnight. That that was quite an operation. No, you know, and, you know, on the heavy equipment side, um, you know, I, I really have to thank Brian Harmon, our lead equipment um, operator up here on the Northwest region. Um, you know, me and him got together beforehand and, you know, dis discussed kind of what we needed uh, for offloading boats and getting things onto the reefer truck, um, you know, and he made it all really easy, um, him and all of his folks. So, you know, that took a lot of pressure off of people's backs and <laughs> um, just made that part of the unload and offload and everything like that um, very smooth. Yeah, that that's great. And, and as far as the fish side, um, did, did you have much bycatch or – was there anything interesting you found? Um, so, yeah, we, we had a lot of bycatch, um, but we still, you know, we, we had the block nets. But on the, the lower end, we also put in uh, what we were calling a native fish slide. So we had like a 20-foot, 18-inch culvert um, that was at the bottom block net. And then we set it at an angle so we could pull up to that block net and we could actually – um, offload our native fish into that tube and they would go out on the other side. Um, that way we wouldn't sample them again. Um, you know, we, we caught a lot of paddlefish, uh, especially in gill nets, um, which is really good to see. Like we were really impressed with our paddlefish population. Um, you know, a lot of Buffalo. And again, th those were probably the two main, um, sources of bycatch. Um, but at the same time, we were able to get them out of the area each day, um, which is really cool, you know. Yeah. So even even in our when our fish and wildlife is doing their, you know, hydroacoustic sonar sampling, um, you know, that's even taken those fish out of that sample too. So it, it makes it gives us a clearer picture on that end. Yeah, in in the paddlefish that you caught were they adults or sub-adults or was it all a mix um you know in some of our you know fish and wildlife's more sophisticated gears with the popier trawl and the dozer trawl um you would see you know sub-adults juveniles and a few adults 
Um, whereas, you know, with gill nets, I was catching primarily just adults in the gill nets. Um, okay. And but all real healthy fish. I mean, I, like I said, I, I will say that I was, I was pretty impressed with what we saw out there. Well, that's awesome. And there's, you know, I always thought going down there, you know, there's some real deep pools, you know, just north of like the highway and the railroad tracks. And then there's a couple between the mouth of the river and, in the boat ramp and and you always think man there'd be some spoonbill in there and i i guess there is so that's good to hear yeah no it like i said we were all really excited about that you know and we made we put in a lot of effort to get those fish out of the sample area too and make sure they're there for for the future too um what was there any tagging done like on those or any fish um no there wasn't um we had had some um, some silver carp were previously tagged with telemetry tags so we can track them around. Um, and I think there was a hundred tags last year about this time in the Grand River. Um, and then multiple other rivers that connect with the Missouri River as well. Um, each tributary received about a hundred fish tagged or so. Um, and we did a telemetry sweep before we sampled and after and you know we found about the same amount of fish but there there was you know 18 or so in our sample area um but as far as tagging the paddlefish i i, I kind of wish we would have but it, it was just there was so much going on you know we didn't <laughs> yeah add, we didn't really want to add another another caveat to it yeah, I, I could only imagine. I, I just knew they had that river, um, Trish, uh, was it Yasger? Yeah. Yeah, I, I knew they they tagged them in the river before. That, that's the only reason I asked. I, um, but, yeah, that's that's really cool. And and no black buffalo or uh, uh, black carp. Yeah, so that, that's a good thing. You know, we didn't encounter any black carp, um, so we see that as another win. Um, we were pretty happy not to encounter any of those yeah that's awesome and uh what about the big mouth buffalo that that's one. Oh yeah uh yeah in you know in our sampling we saw you know sub adults and adults and a big mouth buffalo so that was good to see too well that's awesome and yeah. uh what was there was there many shad or yeah yeah so uh and you know one of our electro fishing boats he said he he had shocked up probably one of the biggest balls of, you know, groups of sh schools of shad he had seen in a while um, up in the upper part. So above like the highway, highway 24. Um, huh. Well, that's, that's awesome. And it always, you know, a lot of cat fishermen, they'll, they'll go to a lake to catch shad. And I'm not saying they're easy to catch in a river, but so they're there if we can find them. Yeah. Most of them were, I mean, honestly, Cliff, they were up really shallow, the shad were. Huh. Because, uh, so, you know, after the first couple of days of really sampling some of the deeper areas, um, you know, later in the week, the silver carp, they they went straight to the snags. Um, and that's where our, our standard electrofishing boats really excelled at, you know, pulling up to each snag um, and trying to get get those fish out of those areas where our nets and things couldn't catch them so that it, it came in very handy um got up 
you know, some of those smaller silvers, they started going to the small mud flat, the real shallow mud flats too. Um, so we had to really kind of change each day kind of where we were sampling and things like that to really follow the, the groups of fish. And, and they're just such a, a wild fish that, that they'll jump into your boat almost at will. And then they're so smart that they evade nets. And yes. um, it is yeah. just a crazy fish, isn't it? It really is. I mean, I, I, I can't tell you how hard they are to catch in a gill net. I mean, we set a lot of gill nets and with the water temperatures being so warm, um, you know, we didn't quite have the success with the gill nets we were hoping to see. But again, our electro fishing boats made up for it, you know, exponentially. So. Um, well, that's awesome. Uh, did, did you catch any big catfish? I, I know everybody on the podcast wants to know if you caught an 80 pound flathead or anything. You, you know, we didn't. Um, I, I don't even think anybody really saw any really big ones, but that doesn't mean they weren't there. Um, so the settings we were using um, really wouldn't affect the catfish a whole lot um, on the electro fishing side. And then in gill nets, I had a few blues, um, but nothing, nothing real big. Um, you know, the river was dropping that week and it got pretty hot. Um, and I think when, when we have temperatures like that and flows where there's almost no flow, you know, I think a lot of those fish go out to the Missouri, especially your really big fish. Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't expect to catch a big blue in the grand now. Yeah. That, that all makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, I did have one question for you. Maybe you can't answer it. Um, were the, where you caught all the silver carp and I guess before they were all scattered, um, was there other fish schooling with them or was it basically were, were they silver carp? up and down yeah so i mean so uh, most of the time what we were encountering was your your silver carp were kind of if you're looking at your sonar um we're kind of in the middle whereas you know right below that was buffalo a lot of times so they were kind of in the same areas as the buffalo um they were kind of utilizing those deeper spots at first and then once we kind of kicked them out of there, then they were moving into the shallows and the snags and things. But, um, you know, and there was paddlefish too combined, you know, in some of those areas as well. That That's really interesting because you, you always, I always thought that, you know, the silvers, there were just so many of them, they just kind of rooted all those other fish out, but, but maybe they're all kind of there schooled up. Yeah. They're all kind of schooling up right now that, you know, with the river being so low, you know, if I think, I think if it was a couple of feet higher, it might, you know, you might've seen them um, kind of separate out a little bit better just cause there'd be better habitat and a little bit more of it. Yeah. That that's really interesting. Um, well, on Sunday we, we went up, up the grand, you know, probably five miles is extremely shallow as you know. Yeah. And I didn't take any bait cause I, not that I didn't have faith in what you all did, but I was counting on some uh, silvers jumping in the boat, and I saw four jump that whole time, and luckily one of them jumped in the boat, but you could definitely tell a, a, someone had, had worked on them, so that was awesome. Well, that, that's good to hear. Yeah, that, that that's really good to hear. And, and, you know, I mean, we didn't get every last one, but that 
that also wasn't really what we were going for. We we knew we weren't going to get every last one. Our main thing was to see how much of a uh, dent in the population could we do in that that six miles that we blocked off. Um, you know, and one one thing cool too, Cliff was the on the last day, right? So we started pulling the block nets because we had already done the uh, hydroacoustic sonar survey. So we pulled the block nets and as the um, electrofishing boats were moving upstream from the boat ramp, you know, they weren't really getting. Well, once the, that top block net had gotten pulled, they, I get, they, they really started hammering them, you know, and they, they ended up bringing, you know, I think we had over 5,000 pounds that last day, um, which actually was more than the previous day. So those fish were kind of just stacked up above that upper block net waiting to come down with the river dropping. Um, so not only did we, I think we did something in that block net area, but we probably did more than that too. Yeah. And, and yeah, and I guess it's all learning, you know, you, you could put a block net up there overnight um, in the future and it, it, it's all a learning to, to catch them and, yeah. Uh, useful knowledge yeah you know i mean the really hard thing with the silvers especially you know once you start sampling a, you know hitting them pretty hard i mean they move fast you know if we didn't have those block nets up they they would have either went out to the missouri or swam all the way up to bosworth or something you know yeah like they're gonna get out of that area as fast as they can and you know, that's why we, we took this whole approach of, you know, using the block nets to keep them in the area. Um, that way we could really see, you know, how much we were actually taken out. Well, well, that's cool. And then I guess in the future, you all might do the same thing next year or somehow see how your, your progress is. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure how long um, it's going to take to go through all that hydroacoustic data to see, you know, if we, how much of a change in density we made or any, if we did any, um, but we really want to look at that and analyze that and then kind of go from there. Um, and that'll open up a lot of, a lot of new ideas. And, um, I would love to do it annually, but you know, it, it was a big project. We're hoping to learn a lot and hopefully we can move on from there. Um, Yeah, well, that's good. Uh, did you have any other uh, interesting species you all caught that it was worth noting? Or, I, you know, I I haven't seen all of you know fish and wildlife's data yet, um, so I'm not sure on that side. Um, I can't think of anything unique that we weren't expecting or what we haven't seen yet in the grand. Um, you know, a lot of river carp suckers, a lot of buffalo, um, a lot of paddlefish. I mean, really quite a few gizzard chad too, um, which again, that that's good to see also. Um, I, I'll have to check and see if we had any red horse or not. I, I know somebody was asking about that too. Yeah, I was just curious. You know, we, we caught some short heads, I think, and then there's some other ones. I, I'm not a red horse guy at all but yeah i was just curious check and see if we if we had any of those or not um 
most of this week has been just cleaning stuff, honestly, Cliff. Oh, yeah, I can only imagine, yeah. I mean, we had five boats from us alone involved, you know, heavily throughout the entire week. Um, so there was a lot of simple green and power washing. And not to mention all the gill nets were rolling up and getting those fixed up and everything. So this has been mostly a cleanup week, honestly, for us. And hopefully here in the next few weeks, we can really dive into the data and um, start figuring some things out with fish and wildlife on it too. Yeah. And that, that's cool to see the agencies kind of uh, combine oh, there and it's, it's neat. Oh, it's great. I mean, you know, they were able to bring some um, gears that are really well um, made for capturing silver carp. You know, they've been effective in multiple states, and now we know they're effective in the Grand River. Um, they, you know, they were able to provide that hydroacoustic survey and the block nets. Um, you know, and we brought the heavy equipment and a whole bunch of electrofishing boats and a lot of gill nets. So it, it all worked out nice cliff. I mean, honestly, like we couldn't ask for a better turnout for what, I mean, everything went smooth every day. Um, but again, I mean, it all came down to, there was a whole lot of planning, you know, we had meeting after meeting before this, um, but it, and all paid off in the end, I think. Yeah, that's awesome. You had planning, the, the right weather. It's uh, That's really great. And I'm, I'm excited going forward, just seeing what you all come up with uh, in, in the years to come. So that that's really cool. Yeah, weather-wise, you know, that weekend before, if you remember, there was rain forecast, and it was – that cell was going all the way into Iowa. And that whole weekend, I was just sweating, <laughs> you know. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, is, are we going to get a two inch rain? Is it going to be a three inch? What's it going to be? You know, then we ended up getting maybe half an inch and the river only went up two tenths or something. So we, you know, we got really lucky as far as the weather goes. Um, Cause the grand river, as you know, is, I mean, pretty volatile. I mean, it could change overnight on you. Yeah, and not only water, there's a lot of debris that can come yeah. loose in an instant in there that would just, I guess it, you just have to do it at a different time. Yeah, but, yeah and I well, was so afraid we'd have to cancel, and we didn't have to, so that was great. Yeah, yeah, that, that is. You know, well, I, I, I'd like to say one thing too, Cliff, and I real, really appreciate you and Joe Mosier's um, providing us with extra areas to park in. You know, that, that came in really handy for the days when we had a whole bunch of stuff going. Um, and it was just, it was really nice having an overflow parking lot from both you guys. And like I said, we can't appreciate that. We appreciate that a lot. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm happy to help. I, I love it. And I tell you what, I love having, uh, don't want to, I love having MDC as a, as a neighbor. So not to get too yeah. sappy there, but it, it's just been a really cool, really cool thing so far. No, I, I, I mean, we were saying that all week, you know, without what you guys provided, it would have been a lot more hectic in that parking lot. I can tell you that. So we yeah. definitely appreciate both you guys a lot. Well, I, I don't want to take up uh, too much of your time, but is there any, any final thoughts or, or anything you conclude with? No, Cliff. Um, I mean, honestly, all I can say is I, I think it all went well and hopefully we can, um, get everything um, analyzed and get some stuff out there for 
for folks to look at hopefully soon. Um, and again, if you ever want me back on here, just give me a holler. I'd be more than happy to talk about things, anything, honestly. <laughs> All right. Well, sometime whenever, uh, you know, I, this is a weekly podcast, so I'm sure this winter will slow down and you'll have your data crunch. Maybe we, we could have you back on and uh, have some fun with that. Hey, that sounds great, Cliff. Okay. Well, well thank you very much. Hey, thanks, Cliff. All right. Bye. Thanks again so much for Adam for taking his time to to talk to us and uh, kind of reveal what they're doing and, and what they found. And it's just awesome. Love it. Adam did bring up Joe Mosier, who's my neighbor, too, and I didn't really expound on that on the podcast. Now, I don't think Joe's listening to the podcast, but I guess just for the record, he is an awesome neighbor, and Joe Mosier, I hope to have him on the podcast someday, but he is a terrific neighbor and one of the most efficient fishermen I have ever seen. He is just, he goes out there, he catches fish. I Maybe there's someone at it better than him, but he has got it down, and he's he's really great, and I, he knows so much about the river and and when to do things he's he's not out there when when you won't catch fish he's he just has it down and it's really slick so it's it's cool to have him as a neighbor it's cool to have uh, Missouri Department of Conservation right there have the boat ramp right there so it's it's all awesome looking ahead at our calendar in Brunswick this weekend, it's it's going to be very congested. The Pecan Festival is there, which is not a fishing-related thing at all, although one day I hope to have a fishing tournament there kind of as a maybe the weekend before to, to kind of have a Pecan Festival champion or something. I would like to have it the, the weekend of the Pecan Festival, and you'd have a big weigh-in down there while all the people were there. I think that would be awesome and expose the sport and really the town to what a great, awesome resource they have the the problem that that I've been thinking about is that there is just such uh congestion they use the boat ramp for parking the boat ramp parking lot for parking there it's just a lot of people in town and Brunswick's a town that highway 24 runs right through it but the everything's right there on 24 it's it's awesome it's it's busy it's it's cool but um Maybe that's something in the future if we could ever kind of get the logistics of that, something like that set up. CatCon is next weekend. It's October 7th and 8th. October 8th for the Missouri Central Missouri Catfish Tournaments um, is Franklin Island, you know, right across there from Boonville. This is a cool tournament. It's a great time on the river, a time of transition. Sometimes there's great catches, sometimes... We did pretty well one year, and we didn't hardly catch any fish. Um, so, so you never know, but there's always flatheads being caught by set liners there um, this time of year. It, it's a cool time to be on the river, no doubt. October 15th, something we're probably going to do, we're planning on doing. Um, Cowboy Bart, our music for the podcast, he's going to be down at uh, Cooper's Landing, which is a venue right on the river. It's a concert, but it overlooks the river. You're, you're right there, and 
Cooper's Landing's a place with a boat ramp, a but not not a big boat ramp that most people don't put in there just just the way it's set up. But there is a boat ramp there. There's a fueling dock. It's one of the few places you can get fuel on the river. The only place that I know of outside of maybe Kansas City or St. Louis. And they they have food trucks, beer, just pretty cool. Also on that same day, Missouri River Relief is doing a trash pickup at Jeff City. I wish I could do both. Um, that's just how it goes in the fall. How it goes all the time, isn't it? You'll, you'll have a weekend where you don't have anything. Then you'll have a weekend there's about five things you want to do. Central Missouri Catfish Tournaments, Lake of the Ozark Tournament, Kaufman, October 29th. That's going to be a good one. And then the Central Missouri Catfish Tournament, they wrap up November 27th in Glasgow. That's that's one we're going to for sure. I That's a, that's a really cool, cool one to do and a great place to wrap up the points championship. So awesome, awesome. Early November, Missouri Department of Conservation is going to start stock park, uh, stock trout in some of the city lakes, which Moberly is in our area, so they're stocking them there. Now, you can't use trout as bait, so I'm not real interested in it, but it is neat that there's more opportunities going on, and who knows, maybe maybe take the kids out there. I, th- I think it'll be, be fun. Mississippi River spoonbill season's still underway, and I think that's about it for now. This has been a weekly podcast up to now. I'm going to try to keep it that way, but I I told myself when, when I started this podcast that I was not going to let the podcast get into the way of any fishing I am doing. So we're going to do the podcast when we can here, and, and hopefully we're going to keep it weekly because I think everybody's... Um, you know we've had good good listeners and but it's it's kind of a crazy time of year i I've, I've noticed that the the podcast uh numbers have kind of gone down and it's not really any content change it's, it's that the regular listeners haven't had a chance to pick up or catch up i think because that's how i am with a lot of the podcasts i listen to so just kind of a wild time of year and and we'll we'll see how we we go moving forward but yeah, let's get the fishing in while we can here. Um, catfishing isn't really a seasonal sport. It's year-round, especially where you have access to blue cats here, like on the river or warm water reservoirs like Thomas Hill. But um, this is definitely the golden time. This is this is when, when to catch the flatheads. This is the time to go. So hopefully you catch a giant fish and we... We hear about you knocking off a record. And until next time, Missouri Catfish Podcast at gmail.com. Please share the the podcast with your friends or give it stars on whatever app you listen to. And let's keep this thing going. Tight lines. I was born by a river in a little tent. Oh, and just like